Hi guys, welcome back to another Reading Radio podcast. I'm Alora. And I'm Jason. This month we are doing Running Out of Time by Margaret Peterson Haddix. I always want to say Patterson for some reason there. I don't know why. I apologize, Margaret. I will get it right. By the end of this, you're going to finally remember. It might take me that long. I don't know why I automatically defaulted that direction, but that's the way I go. So what have you been reading outside the books for the podcast? Uh, that's a great question. I find myself in the middle of a dozen books at a time. Because I, just, I assume that if I'm not super interested in the book, I don't have to finish it. I, I used to think I had to, but I'm under no obligation to the author to finish a book if it's not good. Most of what I'm reading is nonfiction, so I'm reading a lot of stuff for work. Mm. Um, innovation by Design, um, Influence by uh, Cialdini, um, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life. I switch back and forth between what I'm reading. Um, most of the fiction books I'm reading is for the podcast because I don't have much time outside of that. So what about you? What are you doing? I just finished reading The Cold War on May- Maplewood Street. It's about a 12-year-old girl during the Cold War. And it's based off of the author's real experiences. A a girl in America or in Russia? In America. Interesting. It's set in Chicago because that's where the author was born and where she was when it happened. What else do you have going on in your life? Um, I'm volunteering at the Science Center. And in December, I'm going to hit 100 hours worth of volunteering. That's pretty fast. Which I'm really excited about. Yeah, I started in May, May 5th. That was my first... Time when they started counting hours. Okay. That's a lot of work. Yeah. What are you doing? Um, I've got a few things going on, obviously. Work. Um, just finished up holiday stuff and finished editing the second episode of my podcast, which is called Be Better Tomorrow, which is called Be Better Tomorrow. It's a self-improvement, personal development type podcast. Um, had an interview with Victoria Murray, which is a good time. So you can check that out at BeBetterTomorrow.com or wherever fine podcasts are made. Okay. Is there anything else? I mean, that that pretty much covers most of it. So, we have some interesting information on this book. You actually got to meet the author. Yes. I went to a book fest, and she was there, and she did a talk. She was one of the keynotes, and I got to talk to her, and I got my copy of Running Out of Time signed, and I asked her if she would be interested to, um, to be on the podcast, and she said yes. So we have the interview for that, which is going to be released later this month. That's right. So if you like this book and you want to hear from the author, make sure you stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, and you'll get to hear our interview with her. Um, Laura's first interview, I tried to let her run it as much as possible. I think she did a great job, even though she said she was a little nervous. <laughs> All right, you want to jump right into business here? Yep. What were your first thoughts on the book? Because this was my pick. Yeah, so you talked about the author, a different series of books about it. And I think you, you spoiled a little bit for me um, what this book was about. Mm. Kind of caught me off guard. My initial impressions were it, it uh, reminded me of a movie, but I hadn't read the book or watched the movie. I just knew a little bit about both. Uh, we can get into a little more detail on that once we get into the spoiler-free zone, or the spoiler zone. Overall, I thought it was a good book. It kept me engaged. There was points where I was, you know, I could feel a little bit of adrenaline going, which is always a good reaction when you, when you have a visceral reaction from a book. I thought that the primary character, Jesse, was very believable for what she was. Sometimes, and we talked about this with, with Miss Haddix, she's criticized for writing 13-year-old girls too immaturely, but 
they're 13-year-old 13 13 year girls. girls. So I thought the character, did. she did a great job with the character lining it up and, and exactly how I think, you know, you're almost 13. So exactly how you might react in that given situation. Mm-hmm. There were times where I'm screaming, you know, don't do it or no, do it. And, you know, I'm an adult. I have, these, I have this yeah. knowledge that she doesn't. So how long ago did you read it originally? So how long ago did you read the book originally? I think it was about a year before I decided to do it with the podcast. I was just looking for something to read in the library. And she writes, the author writes tons of series. And so I picked up the books. They had similar covers. And I didn't know, like, which series comes first? Are these all connected or are these all separate? So I went and asked the librarian. And she said, okay, so this one is a standalone. You might want to try this one first. And it was running out of time. Okay. So read that one. Plug for your friendly local librarian. <laughs> and then when I figured out that she was going to be at the book fest about three or four days before it actually happened, I asked my dad if he could buy me a copy so I could get it signed. Ah, uh, you just gave away the secret that you didn't have an actual copy of the book beforehand. So again, you have. We bought a copy now. <laughs> so <laughs> we have it now. Yeah. Okay, and what were your initial impressions when you read it? Um, it was very interesting. I loved the concept. It's not like most teen fiction books or juvenile fiction. Most of them have a little bit more of the same concepts running. Like Same themes happening. Yeah, same themes. And I felt this one did a really good job of standing apart. Okay. And there was definitely parts I'm just like, that happened? I did not see that coming, so amazed okay. me. And then I completely forgot about him the second time, so I'm just like, that didn't happen the first time. So. Okay, well, we'll have to wait to get into some more details then about that. What would you say the age range is for this book? The age range, um, well, there's a lot of, I don't think there's anything inappropriate. No. No, I agree. Nothing. I think it's going to be kind of like Penderwicks. It's very easy to read. A couple words or concepts might not make sense to younger readers, but it would be a great book to read out loud to younger kids. And then to read it individually, I'd say about six or seven, depending on the reading level. Oh, no. I think you're going way too young. No? Because the, the, book, itself, the book itself was written at, a, I think, a higher reading level than that. I think you'd have to go with 9 or 10. The content was fine. A little bit of scary stuff, for lack of a better word, without spoiling yeah. anything towards the end. But I think that would be fine as well. So you say about 9 or 10? I'd say 9 or 10. Okay. Just because I think, to your point, there, there's a complexity there that would would make it more difficult for a younger reader to maybe keep track in their mind of what's going on. Yeah, because there's a couple plot lines happening simultaneously. Yeah. Okay, so we can enter into the spoiler zone so we can stop all this charade and talk about things for real. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now entering... No, we're, no rating, we're not. Rating. Rating. Rating first? Yes. Ladies and it. gentlemen, we're not quite entering the spoiler zone. So what would you rate the book? I'm going to go four. I really enjoyed it. It kept it kept great pace. Um, I, there was, wasn't a point where I was bored. It's a little bit dated. Because it was written in 96 or 97. I can't recall enough. But I remember it being right about the time I graduated high school. Yeah. So eh, you can't blame her for that. She can't update a book every couple years to make sure things match, right? <laughs> yeah. So, But I'd give it a solid four. Great book. I think 
I'd say it's like a four and a half. Ooh. That might be your highest rating yet. <laughs> Until next month. Until next month. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely something you can read again. It's not going to be something you're going to read once, once you have it and just keep it on your shelf. And it definitely has good concepts to talk about with kids. So there's conversations to have with parents and kids. Um, so I think it's a four and a half. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are now entering the spoiler zone. If you've not read Running Out of Time, please go read it now and buy a copy of the book and support the author. Don't just get it from the library. Okay, we can talk about real stuff now. <laughs> okay, so obviously, if you if you didn't know ahead of time, I thought this book reminded me of The Village up front. It's a movie by M. Night Shyamalan, who is known for his secret twists and turns. Um there was apparently some sort of speculation when the book was public, or sorry, when the movie came out about whether or not they had copied the idea. Whether it was based off of her. Right. And so we talked about that a little bit with her. Obviously, there's legal issues there. We And it's a kid's podcast. We don't care to get into a ton of details. Oh. Nothing ever came of it. But a lot of people assumed that it was a, a, uh, a movie based on this book. But it was not. No. So... Uh, overall, I thought, again, this, this was great. There's some twists in it that I didn't see coming that are probably good. Well, I saw, I guess I saw it coming, but looked at it from a kid's perspective, it's a good introduction to those kind of tropes that you'll find in action-adventure type books. I don't remember. Like, I didn't see anything coming up, even the second time. I forgot about it because it's been a while. I don't, it was very new the next time, and I didn't see anything coming. Really? Okay, well, we'll talk a little more about what I think you should have saw coming when we get further into the book. So the, the book starts out in the village of Clifton. Interesting story where people are living there and the adults know that it's 1996, but the kids think it's 1840. And they are raised in every way like it's 1840. So they try to keep them using the proper language. They only teach them the presidents up to 1840. All that sort of stuff. Makes school easier. <laughs> no, because they did a lot of gross memorization that you would probably not enjoy. Mm. Look, like literally repeating the presidents until you can do them verbatim. And they didn't have the Animaniac song to make it easier. <laughs> so, But what would you think of living that way? Like maybe an Amish style or living like it's 1840? Would I still know about the present time or would it be like them? Let's assume that you, either way. So if I would know about the present time, it might be fun to try out for a little bit. But... I'm so spoiled by having Google. I can type in whatever I need, and it shows up. This is something I've gone back and forth on, because there is no mystery for you guys, your, your, your generation, because of Google. Like We had to go through times where if we didn't know the answer to something, we just had to keep asking people until you found somebody who happened to know the information <laughs> or found a reference book that held it. I, I even did I did an adventure on this a few years ago where I was trying to figure out what you call people who are from Trinidad or from Turks and Caicos. Mm -hmm. They're islands. Do you call them turkeys? Do you call them Caucasian? Like I don't I have no idea. And so I kept asking people and everyone would say, I don't know, Google it. I'm like I don't want to Google it. I want to have that experience of the past where there was a mystery involved. Or where you could get into arguments over who starred in a particular movie because you think it's one guy and I think it's another. <laughs> and then we have to argue about it for 15 minutes and ask all our friends and get votes. <laughs> you know, And not just go to IMDb and go, see, I told you so. 
There was a little bit more interaction that came with that kind of ignorance, but it was fun, at least at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, no movies to argue about in 1840. That's off the beaten path. I think Jesse, who is the main character, definitely suspected something because she mentioned the doctor giving pills that worked. Like, so, and then they had to stop. Right. So that was, so, and then she saw the video camera. But she didn't know what it was. She saw the box in the tree. Right. And then she got spanked for seeing it. So how do you know you're not living in the past right now? Maybe it's actually 2155. <laughs> That's it, so weird. Like, you don't know. <laughs> and with the technology, what it is today, imagine what would be there. You would never find the camera. No, I mean, people could literally be standing beside us invisible by that point. They could have cloaking technology perfected and... <laughs> you can't hit them. They're standing far enough away. <laughs> Worth the shot. We're not, as far as I know, living in the future. Actually, there's a book called I Live in the Future and This is How It Works, and it talks about just the technology we have today being the stuff of sci-fi not too long ago. But So in that respect, we're living in the future because I can just say, okay, blank, tell me the answer to this question, and my phone will talk to me and give me the answer. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So I thought the, the big first question on this was... Do you think Ma should have taken the risk to leave Clifton and go for help? I don't think that she should have put Jesse in that position, especially knowing nothing about it. Yeah, it's kind of unfair of her, wasn't it? Yeah, because she could have said that there was some play going on at Clifton Village and she was acting in it or something like that because she had much more knowledge than Jesse did. Yeah, no, the, ar- the argument was she couldn't fit into her clothes anymore and that she'd never be able to get out wearing her dis- her Clifton clothes, which is true because Jesse got caught up in the the village, not the villagers, the, the visitors. Schools. And so they, they <clears throat> had Ma escaped and been there, they would have noticed her right away and captured her. So to that point, it's true. But I I don't know what, like, if you carve, carve a dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot into a tree for SOS or... I don't know. I don't know what else, what other kind of ways they could have given signals. Yeah, but I think it would have been a better bet to send Hannah or one of the older kids. Because Jesse was still kind of on the younger side. That's true. But so, she was the more adventurous of the group, which is probably why, why her mother picked her. True. She was the one who would take challenges and dares, whereas the older kids were very prim and proper and demure, and they would have not been able to handle the adventure aspect. That's the impression I got. That may, I see that. Speaking of her age, how do you think it worked to her advantage or disadvantage? It obviously worked to her advantage in, <clears throat> in retrospect that she fit in with the school kids. So she was able to, to walk through the, the tour. Nobody suspected her really. Um, nobody suspects a kid of being up to that big of a nefarious deal. Like, and it didn't look like she was trying to vandalize anything she was able to hide. Yeah. To her disadvantage, I don't know if this is her age or just living in Clifton. There's so much she just didn't know. Mm-hmm. She didn't know, you know how to trust people and not trust people because <clears throat> growing up in a village with the same people, you just you trust the people you grew up with. You know those people intimately. And she didn't have that. What do you think? I think that it kind of worked to her advantage because they're definitely going to take adults in this age are definitely going to take more sympathy on a kid than... An, an adult, because if they see an older kid, they're just like, oh, they're out doing whatever. But if it's a younger kid, they're going to be like, why is she out? Do you need help? It's true. Because she did end up getting the food for free because she thought they needed help when she was younger. Right. 
at lunch, <clears throat> had those two boys that pulled over to try to quote unquote help her. Would that situation have gone differently if it was an older person or a younger person? Depends on what they were trying to do. And what do you think they were up to? If they were trying to be bad, they might have tried to grab. Well, maybe not. Because I think, based on what they did, they the way the book described them, they were both older. So they could have grabbed her and forcefully put her in the car if she would, if they were on Miles' side. But since they didn't, I'm going to guess they weren't. Especially because she ended up running off and they didn't chase her or anything. Right. I think they were just kids up to no good. Yeah. It was an opportunity for the author to show an example of the t- kids about her age or a little a little bit off from her age and her and how they would interact with her not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. So she goes to KFC. She meets Mr. Neely. She calls Mr. Neely. She calls him but he, and he comes. And you didn't suspect anything? No. Well, a little bit. I was like, why didn't she ask what she looked like or something like that. It was just that. I mean, part of it was I was halfway through the book and she had gotten to her end goal. I knew that could not be the end of the book. The rest of the book was not going to be wrapping up what happened in Clifton Village. There had to be another climax that led to something interesting. I guess. I see that now. And it was too easy otherwise. Like She didn't have a lot of hoops till she got to Mr. Neely. And then it was like, oh, something's gone wrong here. That's- mm-hmm. Some, it's not, or something's going to happen. Like, this is obviously not him, or I couldn't. I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen, or what was going on, until he came with the glass of water for her. And I'm like, I literally am in the car going, it's drugged, don't drink it, don't drink it. <laughs> and it was. It was, and she didn't drink it, and that was good. It was a good thing she ran into that environmentalist earlier who told her water was bad. <laughs> or at least that water was bad. So later in the book, she tries to hold a press conference. She talks to, she calls people on the phone trying to get their information to get them to come. As an adult, if you got a kid saying that, would you believe? I don't know. It depends on the kid. I mean, that's a pretty robust story for a kid to make up. Mm. And coinciding with the closure of Clifton Village, I probably would have thought something was up. And then, of course, it's, it's actually really beneficial that she passed out. Yeah. Because it added so much credence to her story. If she's just telling a story about kids being sick and she's perfectly okay, you'd be like, ah, I don't know. But then she passes out and you're like, oh, okay, well, now we at least have to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. We, we have to call the ambulance. People are going to start asking questions. There's, there's going to have to be some sort of investigation into what's happening, which was good, which worked out well. As a kid, would you have, a, would you have had enough guts to do that? Especially Probably. not knowing what payphones were. Well, that would have been the problem. Like, I can't, I can't unknow what I know to make that call. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been doing everything I could. I was a pretty, pretty emphatic kid about the things that I believed in. Probably even like, I was an idiot because I was a little <laughs> kid, like telling adults what they should think about big topics that I thought I understood, but but you didn't. But didn't understand. And so I would probably have been at least trying. Uh, I don't. I don't know who else I would have reached out to if I would have just grabbed a police officer or if I would have thought I could trust them because she was so suspicious. She thought everybody worked for Clifton because she had no idea of the, the, the size of and scope of the world anymore. They yeah. never left the village. As far as she's concerned, Clifton ent- runs the entire world. So that I don't know how I would manage that to understand mm-hmm. whether it worked or not. I think I'd be do about the same thing, not yeah. knowing whether or not who to trust. Right, and that's what I said. She wrote this character well because it was, it, she was naive, She, but she was meant to be naive because she grew up in a secluded, 
uh, village from nineteen for eighteen forty. So it worked out really well. I think if this book were to be written, and this in the future, and this time was it, there'd be a much easier time dealing with the switch. Say that again. What do you mean by that? So if this this time period was Clifton Village. Oh, okay. It there'd be a much easier time switching into the more modern technology. I think because we have basic, and I'm pretty. They're just building off of it. Yes, but that's that's all it's ever been is basic stuff we're building off of. The the problem is the rate at which we are changing and growing is speeding up. So I think you vastly underestimate how different things will be in the future. Hmm. I mean, things could be a hundred percent different. It could be the same, you know, even more difference than there was from eighteen forty to nineteen ninety six. If it was from nineteen nine or from two thousand eighteen to two thousand twenty one fifty five or whatever. That makes sense. I mean, everyone could be living in a virtual reality simulation by the time that comes around. That would be boring. No, it'd be like the holodeck on Star Trek where you can go and be and do whatever you want to do. You're just not really moving. You're locked into a computer doing VR or something. I don't know. But we might all be hooked up to IVs for nutrition and living in a, a world that's not real. Who knows? We could be living in outer space. You could wake up and your Clifton, your, your Clifton village from that you think you're living in now is actually on Mars. So you can't get off. Yeah. So you don't, I mean... There could be any number of things that could happen. In fact, you should write some fan fiction and explore what that might look like. It'd be fun. <laughs> so what did you think about the ending? Because she ended up in the hospital and wasn't allowed to see anyone but Katie because they shared a room. So that, it was a little disappointing because you didn't quite get to see the roundup, but they came back and explained it through the other kids telling her what happened. Uh, one thing that, that I want to go back on, I thought for sure Isaac Neely met his car accident at the hands of Miles Clifton. Yeah, on purpose. I thought he was bumped off for sure. We asked Margaret Haddix about that, and you'll have to listen to the other episode to find out what she had to say about it. So, uh, but the end was good. It, it wrapped it up well. It wasn't something that drew on a long time. I'm curious about Pa. Like, he was so, I don't know if brainwashed is the right word, but he was locked into that 1840s kind of life that they ended up living in Clifton for a little while longer to, to help them adjust. I think, though, you kind of need that. Like, you couldn't go from that to modern living. So I think it would be helpful if like, they lived in that house but slowly went to school or like stayed at home and learned in the schoolhouse the more modern things then slowly worked up into getting into a real a public school. I think the kids would have had trouble because they had no idea. Yeah. But he came from 1985 or whenever they went into Clifton Village. Mm-hmm. So he knew more about the future. There was actually, I think there's some trauma had developed with his brain. So he had to see a therapist and figure out what all that meant and work through it. That's where the difference was for him. I don't think, I think he, all things being equal and not having that problem an adult would have been able to make the jump into the future more easy than a yeah, child would. because it was only a, about 15 or so years. Right. Not that much of a difference. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking the 15 years, well, 20 years now since I graduated high school. So cell phones were just barely a thing, but not handheld computers. They were literally just phones. There wasn't even text messaging. <laughs> so <laughs> she's panicking. That sort of adjustment would be difficult. Like, oh, you carry a computer in your pocket? Like, computer laptops were 20 pounds when I was in school. Like, 
that kind of adjustment is weird. On iPads, things like that, it'd be like, oh, okay, I understand the concept, it's just changed a little bit. Yeah, but for the kids, it would be a lot harder. Right. For the younger kids, it would be easier, and then for the older kids, it would be harder, I think. I mean, kids are naturally resilient to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, we've developed in such a way as a, as a human species that kids go through a lot of crap and they bounce back fairly well. So that's, in that case, they would have a little bit of an advantage, but it would be, they'd have a, what, 30 more presidents to memorize overnight, so that would be tough. They'd definitely not be behind, but they'd have less knowledge, so they'd almost have to do, go to a special school because they'd be behind oh, yeah. grade-wise. They would definitely be grades behind, just especially in math and science. Things that we knew for sure in science back then were probably not true by the time you get 100 years into the future. Yeah. I mean, there's just so science was just really starting to take off as far as sharing information, so it was moving slowly. Um, that would just be a huge... In fact, it'd be interesting to look up and see what, what facts were true that are no longer true back then. Hmm. That they would have to unlearn and relearn. All right, so what do we... What At we least need? I don't think the world was flat. Yes, but some people have still not unlearned that fact today. Seriously? Yeah. There's groups of people who still believe the Earth is a flat disk. But you would just fall off the end. No, there's an ice wall around. All right, well, as of this recording, we are sitting at 597 downloads. I'm hoping that in the next few days we break 600. But if we don't, I'd appreciate you sharing this with your friends so we can get to 700 all the faster. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, wherever, Spotify, forget where all we are. <laughs> Make sure you, you do that and... Share it with your friends. We'd appreciate it. Our next book, you want to talk about that? Is Lion, the Wish, and the Wardrobe. We were go originally going to have it done in January, have it done in December, have it be our December book. But we decided that it's a Christmas Eve book, so we read it every December. So we'll record it in January so you guys can read it throughout December. Yes, it's our family tradition to read it in December. We'd like to invite you to join us on that. It's one of our Christmas movies. Uh, if you celebrate Christmas, jump in and join us. Uh, we'll maybe even have Heather and Zoe join us for the uh, podcast for that one. And then we can also do a book versus movie. Yeah, we could do a book versus movie. That'd be a good, good step, too, if we get the time. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>